out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is The C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the American soul singer, P.P. Arnold, who I spoke to very recently to find out more about life, love and poetry. She has just brought her book out that she's written, Soul Survivor. This is out on 9-8 Publishing. Also, she's got a Christmas single that's titled It Won't Be Christmas Without You, which is released at the end of November 2022. And um, yes, she started her singing career with Ike and Tina Turner and then went on to work with such people as Mick Jagger, and also members of the Small Faces, and has recently been working with the likes of Dr. Roberts, Ocean Colour Scene, Paul Weller, and much, much more. But you're going to find out more about that in this interview. So after several minutes of casual but interesting chat, we got down to that exciting subject that was the early formative years. P.P. Arnold, or Patricia as we like to call her, it's over to you. Well, you, you, you know, music has always been a part of my life. I'm born into a musical family, uh, and, uh, a family of gospel singers. And, you know, music is just always, you know, we always had the radio on as a kid, you know, as a baby, yes. <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, I, my, my, my musical awakening as you know, as a teenager and as a young woman was like, you know, the Motown days, you know. So, you know, of course, I grew up with my family. They went to the blues and all the R&B. I'm into R&B as well. But, you know, Motown. Motown you know, was the it. first record I bought was My Guy by right. Mary Wells. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. And, um, and also, I mean, in your book, I mean, it is quite a phenomenal read and quite sort of a, a sort of a social and cultural kind of moment i mean your 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 family you know you go back to the 1800s and and this kind of interesting mix don't you of kind of african and native uh, american americans yeah, native as well american, yeah choctaw choctaw indian so yeah. that's an amazing uh, mix isn't it it really really is you know but 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 that that's the way it was you know because the slaves were brought in from west africa and uh, and some of the slaves were luckily enough to like be rescued by by the Indian tribes, and so there's that fusion of Afro American and uh, American Indian uh, heritage in in lots of people, you know. Yes, absolutely. So um, so yeah, I, I went back. I took. I went back to. I was. Uh, I had started writing my book. Uh, in the mid nineties. And when I finished it, or I thought I had finished, I was making, uh, I was downloading it from the time machine to a portable disc and I lost my book. So um, I had to start all over again. And so at the time I was like doing like uh, ancestry, sort of like uh, uh, doing some uh, personal ancestry work. So and I just decided, you know, because because I'm a soul singer and and everything, and people want to know about the music and everything. I I thought, well, let me take it all the way back to the plantation mm. because that's where it all started, you know, back there, you know, from like uh, the the African call and answer uh, type things into that became the American gospel, the root of the American gospel thing. And then, you know, the blues, you know, all the blues and and Absolutely. take it through there and take it through my family. 
Yeah, and it was it was kind of interesting because the a couple of nights ago I was talking to a musician artist who whose father was a Hungarian Jew during the Second World War, and and sort of he kind of went back and discovered what happened to his father during that period and and what happened to some of the family in the community and um which was all very traumatic and then he um yeah. he sort of suffers a lot with trauma so he's been dealing with that over the last sort of 7 years have you had sort of you know have how have you processed some of those stories and did that has that kind of had a a big you know effect on your kind of well soul. yes of course it's had an effect on my life because it's had an effect on my families on my parents and and my grandparents you know I didn't know oh I found out about my great great uh grandparents and 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 those um ancestors by doing the ancestry work I knew nothing about them because my family had never told me anything about them. I don't think a lot of, they were so busy, like just sort of like trying to deal and survive the whole Jim Crow racism of the South that they mm -hmm. were growing up in that, you know, that was also very traumatic for them. And, and so because of the traumatic things that they went through and how it affected their personalities, of course, you know, my siblings and I were, um, in, you know, went through a lot uh, as, as a result of, of all that, you know, like the, you, you know, very strong Christian upbringing, you know, because the Christians, that's what the slaves were. They weren't allowed to practice their own religions. And so Christianity and, you know, in the Old Testament and, you know, beat the children, you know, like <laughs> all of that whole sort of stuff, you know. So we grew up with that, uh, with a lot of that. And we grew up, I remember having a relationship with, with an aunt of mine who I never understood. She was so mean. You know, she was so mean and she would like, uh, you know, she would like uh, punish us by like pinching us right. and everything. And, and I thought, you know, like I didn't understand those things as, as a child and everything. And and yeah, it's funny you should say that because, you, you know, like here I am, you know, like all these years later and I've been through a lot. You know, I've been through a lot through that. You, if you read my book, you know that I grew up, my father was quite, uh, at the time, that, that was just the way it was. You beat your kids, you know? And then I had the abusive uh, relationship with, 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 with my first husband after becoming pregnant and all of that, and then being on the road with Ike Turner and, you know, and then dealing with all of the sort of, uh, you know, male dominance of the music industry and, surviving through all of that, you know? So, um, yeah. Uh, and, and I think I have very much been affected by, 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 by a lot of that. I've never done any, uh, <laughs> I find myself asking myself, uh, sometime if I should, you know, do therapy. I mean, just releasing this book and, and putting all that out there like that and, and talking about all this stuff. I'm talking about all this stuff now. I've never done any therapy or anything, you know. But, um, 
then then sometimes I just ask myself questions and I say, and I just say like, don't focus on what it was. You know, don't focus on what it was. Don't focus on what you don't have or what you didn't have. You know, uh, focus on what I do have right. and how I can take what I do have now, even though I'm still fighting the good fight in the music industry. I mean, people call me a legend, the legend that is P.P. Arnold and all of that. And that's all lovely. All those accolades are lovely. But I'm still fighting the good fight out here. Yes. I need another hit record. So, you know. <laughs> No, it won't be Christmas without you. <laughs> it's really important to me. You know, that's like, I think about it. You you, you know, sometimes my team, because I'm so enthusiastic and my team, sometimes I think I probably get on their nerves a bit, you know, but for me, the record is really important because Every time you put a lot of work, I mean, the book, everything. Well, I'm just like really, really honored by all of the accolades that I've received from my book because I never thought of myself as a writer, as I never thought of myself as an artist. You know, I just that's my, my gift to sing. I sing um, and, and, and I just sat down to write that, started writing that book during a time when I didn't have any work and I was trying to like make some sense of, of my life in, in, in the industry and everything. So it just kind of came out. That's really come through me. That yes. book is through me. I have no, no, no education or no, no skills, no writing skills, you know, just what it is you know so I'm that kind of an artist really everything is like sort of like naturally I'm a natural singer I never trained I just grew up singing in the church so that was my training singing harmony and stuff with my brothers and sisters my mother and grandma and everybody so I have all of those good things I try to stay focused on the positive side of 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 of, of the black American experience you know, and, uh, you know, as I'm approaching this Christmas, you, you you know, I'm here and my I have one son who's here with me, uh, uh, Kojo Samuels. He's sort of like musical director for Stormzy and all those guys. And, you know, so many artists, so many young artists. Uh, I have my other son is an American. Of course, I lost my daughter and uh, many years ago. Mm. Uh, my family, my sisters and brothers, they're all in the States, you know, so here comes Christmas again, you know, and yes. uh, well, I was going to so say, luckily, you know, so, 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 so yeah, it, it's like my life is, even though uh, I'm an Afro-American, I've spent the majority of my adult life here in the UK. So, uh, you know, there's that detachment from my you know, separated from my roots, but but I'm still connected. I'm still me, if you know what I mean. 
Yes, well, absolutely. And I mean, the book must have been... I don't even know what I'm saying now. That sounds like... (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm with you. I've been with you all (laughs) since that beginning. But no, because going back slightly, I know you've got this new single out and you've got the book out, which is an amazing page turner. And it's great to sort of start hearing the voices of different people in the music industry, because I think in a way... There was probably just a few people who told their story and the narrative, and now many more people. You'll probably see this year, you know, the music books of the year. Uh, there's a lot more women telling their story, and obviously, I think everyone realizes that women have had a pretty hard time in music. But um, <laughs> but we didn't realize it was going to be quite, it, it wasn't going to be quite that hard because you your kind of big moment came in the mid '60s when Ike and Tina Turner you you became a backing singer, didn't you? One of the Iquettes, which was quite a great, it must have, on one level, it must have been a great gig, but at the same time, you know, you experienced an awful lot of racism of the audience, uh, of, of the communities that you were visiting, but also, you also witnessed Ike beating not only Tina, but also he did rape you as well, which was obviously quite a horrendous moment in the book. So that must have been quite a tricky thing to write, not tricky to write about, but bringing that all back, did that feel quite a, a a kind of a weird moment to have to dwell on and and sort of put all this down? Well, yeah, you know, like when I wrote the book, I was inspired to write by Maya Angelou. You know, the, the you, you know, I can hear the the, the cage bird sing her 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 autobiography, and I was I I, I was inspired by Maya and the fact that there's no need. Of, to write a book if I'm not going to tell the truth. So I thought I'm just like, that's just my experience. I've left a lot. I I mean, I wrote 400,000 words, you know, it's been edited down to like whittled down. So there's a lot that's not in the book, you know, but uh, my, my whole thing was just to tell the truth. And I have. And, you you know, I put my shit out there. It's not like a kiss and tell story about anything. I was not a groupie or anything with all the people that were lovers. We were all young. You know, they were my lovers. You know, I was an artist in my own right. I never hustled anybody. I didn't know how to hustle. That's why I've had such a hard time in the music industry, because I've been, I was really shy. I knew nothing about the industry. My family, they'd never been connected with show business. And uh, so I like, you know, trusted a lot of people and, you you know, and I had to pay the price for that. But everybody got ripped off in the 60s, you know. Mm -hmm. So my original work, that's, you, you know, all my classic work, I didn't, I didn't really, even get even get any type start getting any, any type of royalties until the 90s after fighting for that you know right yes it, it's kind of because i remember tony basil doing an interview with her and she she never earned a p- penny from her single mickey it just never appeared so um she was obviously a bit sort of fed up with that but you but during the 60s obviously you work with i and Tina turner then you meet people like nick jagger you meet brian jones that you mentioned in the book and also this kind of slight 60s counterculture with people like steve marriott from the small faces and ronnie lane so you do you do manage without being a hustler you do manage to sort of slide into some quite groovy it was it, it uh... You you know in a way it's like it, it it's like I always say 
you know, management, the best manager I ever had was Andrew Oldham. And then he, when, when immediate records folded, that was, that was really a disappointment, but I've never had really management. I have survived in this industry for over 55 years, just through my, through my talent, really being able to collaborate with lots of many people when times were hard and times were down. I never asked anybody. I never came here when I came to, uh, I started and I, I became an get after a prayer, asking God to show me a way out of the hell that I was in in this abusive teen marriage. So the universe, that was a blessing for me to like, you know, God answers prayer. That's how I look at it. Because the minute I said that prayer, you know, a couple of hours later, I was in, in Icantina Turner's living room singing Dancing in the Streets. And I went there not for myself, I went there to help some friends of mine get the gig. Mm -hmm. They had like dragged me, literally dragged me out of my house to help them because the girl that was supposed to go with them didn't show up for the audition. And they begged me to go and help them get the gig. So, uh, you know, they wouldn't take no for an answer. They slammed the phone down. They were at my house. I lied and told my husband I was going shopping and I went there to help them. So I still hadn't even thought, you know, I had said that prayer. None of that even registered or anything. I was just glad to get out of the house for a couple of hours and escape, you know, like, just aggressive behavior that I deal with, 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 with I was dealing with, with my husband, yes. you know? So when I went there and Tina goes, right, girls, you got the gig. You know, I said to them, no, not me. I can't, I've got to go home. I'm in trouble. I'm going to get my butt kicked when I get home. Like Tina goes like, well, you know, like if you're going to get your butt kicked for nothing, why don't you ride up to Fresno with us and at least do the show? So, <laughs> I was there that day. That was maybe like, I never had fun. I never went out. I never did anything. I had totally messed up my life as a teenager by getting married. And I had two kids at 17. So that day when she said that to me, it was like, you know, she's right. I'm going to get my butt kicked when I went home. I'm having fun. I'm here with all these you know, I'm under Tina Turner's spell, the goddess that, that is Tina Turner, you know. And so I went there and then, you know, when I came back home, I did get in trouble. And, I'm, you, you know, my, my husband uh, beat me. And while I was taking that beating, I realized that, wow, you know, the day before I didn't have a way out of this situation. And then suddenly I had a way out. Yes. God had answered my prayer. And with the help of my mother and everybody and my father, like talking to my husband, because I was still with him and everything, I became an ICAT. You know, 24 hours later, I was an ICAT. So I didn't hustle that gig. You know, that gig, that was another gift. Then I just happened to be with Ike and Tina Turner. I never even thought about being a Iket or a backing singer, let alone being a an artist in my own right. And I went to England with them and uh and uh uh Andrew Oldham from Immediate Records. You know, I was the lead singer of the Iket. 
They were interested in me signing to them. They, you know, I became friends with Mick and uh, we became friends and, you know, and, you know, became lovers. And so I had told him that I was going to leave the review when I got back to the States because I was, you know, uh, afraid of Ike. And, and I was fed up with watching Tina being abused as well. Yes. So, well, uh, so Mick kind of spread, took, took that word back. And then you, uh, Ian Stewart, who was a Rolling Stones uh, road manager, he said to Andrew that Andrew should like really check me out for the immediate label. And Andrew was a big, big fan of the whole West Coast sound and Phil Spector and the girl groups and the Ronettes and da da da. So anyway, they liked me. I didn't I, I couldn't believe it. I mean I, I didn't even understand why anybody chose me. I didn't understand why Mick Jack Mick Jagger, I didn't even think I was cute or anything. If I knew how gorgeous I was back then at the time, I'd probably be a super superstar now. But <laughs> I was so shy. I had no confidence in myself. So once again, that opportunity came. That was another opportunity from the universe to help me move forward in my life and take care of my children. Yes, absolutely. So that's how it started. That, that that's was... how I got in the music industry. So I never like, you know, I'm going to do this. And then after I was in the music industry and all those years that I was getting ripped off and everything, that was because I knew nothing. I knew nothing and I wasn't a hustler. I didn't even, I was too shy to even ask for my money. <laughs> God, it's a it's a horrible story, isn't it? But then... Yeah, it, it, it is. You you know, uh, but, but so so I can only speak on my own individual experience. You know, my experience of my my experience in the music industry, yes. uh, and uh, and and all I know that I have survived. You have survived amazing. by my talent because and yes, by working, being respect from my peers and from other artists who like my sound, I, I have a sound that people like, and that's helped me to survive. Yes. When I'm down and out, it's like the universe always, here I am now. I didn't know I was going to do this single, this record. I've come back. I've had to leave my home in Spain because of Brexit. I'm here relocating all out of sorts. You know, my book is happening. I'm promoting my book. I'm promoting my book don't have a clue how I'm going to get back on my feet again after Brexit, I mean, after COVID, because yes. the last album, my last album, The New Adventures of P.P. Arnold, which was released in 2019 and produced by Steve Craddock, had just done so well. That, that album was doing so well. We toured the UK. 2020 was supposed to be the year. You know, so as a solo artist, you see people, people see you out there and they see you working and they think that you're making money. But as an independent artist, you pay for everything. So mm -hmm. 2020 was a really important year for me to like sort of like benefit from all the hard work that I have been putting into my career for the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. So you're starting all over again. So this year coming back to the UK after COVID with the book. 
I'm starting all over again. I don't know how I'm still trying to find a way. I'm trying to find a way to be out there working to get the proper gigs and things like that. Then I get a call from my solicitor with this record that 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 uh, the, 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 this opportunity that uh, this record, my my, <clears throat> my single, it won't be Christmas without you, was supposed to be recorded by Cher. Right. And Cher was doing other things. So the track came to me by my solicitor, who is a good friend of Brian Rawlins of Metrophonic Studios. So they sent me the track. I liked it. It was really cool. I thought, well, wow, it's got everything a Christmas record is supposed to have. Doesn't yes. it? Yeah, and I, it like, does. And, 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 and it's like the 60s, the whole sound. That's where my root, my whole retro vibe you, you you know that i could uh put on it and i was a bit concerned because you know it's a high key and i was thinking oh i hope i can you know still hit these notes like that but i do always like even when i'm not working i do my vocal exercises so i can be ready i keep my voice ready right. because i never want to sound like an old lady <laughs> even though i am I'm old you well, know, I don't yes. want to sound like an old lady. It's a muscle. You have to keep it going. It's a yes. fitness. I'm into fitness. You know, I, I well, I ran long distance up until uh, about eight years ago when I stopped and, you know, because I have to be careful of my knees and stuff. But I train. I don't train in the gym. I do Pilates. I do yoga. I dance. You know, and I and I'm really into nutrition. Yes, and, that's, that's, and, we, we all love our good gut bio, don't we? By um, bacteria, good gut bacteria is the, the new rock and roll in our lives. I think we all like yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely, it's so important. It's I know so Sa important. sauerkraut and kimchi with kombucha, and we're happy, aren't we? But look, wow, that's good. When I haven't had, I, I've had all of those separately, but not. <laughs> Together, I didn't matter with kombucha, but I guess that, that I'm, I'm, I can imagine that that's great. It's a good I'm into regenerative herbs. These, you know, that I've been taking since 1994. Right. Um, yeah. So. Because because just coming back because because I was because when reading your book, I kept thinking <laughs> I'm amazed you haven't mentioned Linda Lewis, and then she appears, doesn't she, towards the towards the back of the book? Because actually, she gets into the world with people like uh, Terry Terry Reed and David Bowie, and she goes to Glastonbury, and she in seventy one, and has a sort of you know that kind of world. And actually, you you meet in Steve Marriott and and Ronnie Lane. You have sometimes quite a similar sort of moments in life where you sort of come back or go from a, quite a different world into that world that is kind of I suppose that hippie counterculture, don't you? Because Steve Marriott did some great stuff with you on was it your first or second album yeah but the first album uh if you think you're groovy is on the first album and 10 soldiers that we did together i worked with them on ichiku park and 10 soldiers we were label mates slightly different from linda linda's later than them than me and and the difference between linda and i is that linda was in in the hippie culture you know, I was kind of there. I guess you could call it hippie. I don't know. I was just a part of the 60s. You know what yeah. I mean? I was more like, I was probably more mod than hippie because I was like in, oh, in, of course, yes. in, in America, mod was like, we called it Ivy League. 
So that was my thing. But Linda was really into the hippie thing. And plus, Linda was British. So she had connections. Her connections were different than mine. You know, but so so she came through like a similar thing working with with the people of her time there. Whereas mine, my thing is it is slightly different. I didn't really know Linda until uh, I didn't know of Linda that much until, like you say, she comes into my book later. Yes, nothing because the seventies. I wasn't even a. I was off the scene during the seventies. The majority of the seventies. You know, if you read my book, you know, like but, I. But you, I, you worked with um, on Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical, but also with with Nick Drake as well, didn't you? At one stage, yeah, with um, what was that? Um, and then recordings with people like Dr. John, Graham Nash, Jimmy I, Weatherspoon. I right now, I'll call you back. Oh yes. So um, no, I'm and, calling me. that's okay. It's exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I was just going to say, you meant you, you'd you recorded, you know, the rock musical Jesus Christ Superstar, but also Nick Drake's uh, Poor Boy as well. What was that that experience like? Because obviously this Well, is- that was great. It was just a session, basically. You know, Doris Troy and I, I did that with Doris Troy. Doris called me one evening and said, you know, hey, baby, you want to go do this session with me? And... You know, and yeah, I ended up uh, at in the studio with uh, the session was for Nick Drake. He was like, I didn't really know him. He was a very shy, introverted guy, very similar to myself, really. And I was there with uh, with Doris, and we um, and he had this track, "Poor Boy," and. Uh, and uh, he told us what he wanted us to do, and we just like sucked it to him, and he was happy, and <laughs> and that was it. And that's my experience with Nick Drake. You know, it was just an evening in a studio doing a session, and I didn't even know, uh, you you know, about that track until like in recent times because I never heard the track right. after the session, and then. And when I came back to the UK and everything, and then you you know through the tragic his tragic um, uh, death and and everything, and him becoming a big he was like a big you know big name after bigger after his huge after, yes yeah. he was he was definitely he was definitely quite unknown when he was alive. But did you work exactly? Just- was that with? Did you work with Joe Boyd on that? Was Joe Boyd the producer of that particular? Yeah, song? so that's what we were in the uh, we were in the studio, and yeah, and that was it. You know, it was Doris's connection, and she called me in to go and do the session with her, and so that's how I'm involved in that track. Yes, because one thing about the book, which has got a lot of detail, there's, there's moments where everything feels like it's going to get better, and then some sl- tragedy happens. Because then in the 70s, you get this call on your daughter's being killed, and she's quite young in a car crash, which must uh, just completely floors you again. Well, 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 of course, you know, like, and floored me then, still floors me now. <laughs> you know, that's another thing I was thinking this morning, you know, you know, I was thinking about uh, grief and how grief affects people. Yeah. You know? And so like you, you can go like straight away when I lost my daughter, I had to 
I had to uh I had to accept it. You know, it's it's kind of like uh that whole thing with death, you know, great gig in the sky, you know, to me that that's that uh that that track is mm-hmm. all about the fear of death, you coming to terms with it and then accepting it. But when it happens to you and when it's your child, I could never you know, it won't be Christmas without her. Yeah, you know, absolutely. She loved Christmas, you know, like my family. I mean, that changed the whole, that changed everything for me and my family and my boys, you know. Afterwards, you know, I had to keep myself together because yeah. I had a son that was getting through university. I had another young son, you know, so that's affected my life in a lot of ways. It's hard when you're young and you're going through something like that to have um, to find, you know, just even a beautiful man to come back into your life. You know what I mean? Because you have sons and, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's, yes, it's, quite, quite, it's, quite. It's difficult. Quite so, a balance yeah. act, but then, but then you, you know, then sort of in the late uh, part of the 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 seventies, you sort of meet, you know, um, the Bee Gees and Barry Gibb. But then in the eighties, you sort of get your. Um, no, I met Barry in the late sixties. The late sixties, that was it. But the then sixties, the the work with Barry and Eric Clapton was in the late sixties and early seventies. Right. The seventies, I made some really bad choices by like working in working with uh, my son's father, uh, Fuzzy Samuels. We were together and we formed a band together. That was a very bad decision on my part. I did not need to be in a band. No. I was already successful as a solo artist. And being a woman in a band, you know, I didn't even understand the whole, like, kind of how bands work. You know, guys, you know, they falling out with each other. Anyway, I got caught up in that. And uh, and I had my son, so I was like kind of like being a mother. I had a young son. I had my children. At the same time, I was trying to keep my career going. But the whole thing was that it was the 70s, like you say, were like the, um, it, it, it was the British invasion of America, you yes. know. So all my peers had uh, had gone to America. And everybody was having success in America. So I thought, well, wow, well, maybe this is the way for me to go. I need to go back home to America from a British. I had a British uh, career that hopefully I could get, be a part of that whole British invasion. But what I forgot is that I'm a Black woman. I'm a Black American woman. So I didn't take all that into account. And so when I got to America, I wasn't like received in the same way that my British peers had been received. And uh, it was just it was not it was not the right situation anyway. So that was my bad. And during that period, I had my kids with me because I had taken them with me because I was in America to do uh, to do uh, record a record, a record deal. And I didn't want to, I was going to be away for a long time. So I brought my children with me. So we were not where we were supposed to be. 
you know, and sometimes when you make choices, bad choices for yourself, it affects your children if you have children, especially yes. in the music industry. Changing them, moving around, you know, so much. It's not a healthy thing for kids. No, but you, but, but in, was it 78 you worked with, was it um, Barry Gibb? And then you got this album, which only came out a couple of years ago called... No, the that Turn- was in 68. 68, right. Yeah, Barry, I worked with Barry in 68. But after my daughter passed away, Barry reached out to me and we were going to like uh, try to work together again and finish that album right but at that time that wasn't possible because then you know there we go we're back in america right and and the bgs are huge saturday night fever everybody barbara strides and dion warwick you 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 know he was producing all of these big acts i didn't have management i didn't have a support system behind me so you know, even though he wanted to work with me, it wasn't possible, you yes. know, on a business level. But what I did do with Barry in 78 was recorded track. He produced a track with me and his brother, Andy, a very beautiful version of Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow that I did with Andy Gibb that's on his Greatest Hits album. Fantastic. And we didn't get a chance to work together again. So, yeah, that was unfortunate. And then, um, you know, so I went to Miami to do that. I went back to L.A. afterwards, you know, after I got my son. My son <laughs> got a got a scholarship to go to university, uh, to Howard University, on a soccer scholarship. Wow. Because had we been in England, where my son, my children grew up, had we been in England at that time, Kevin might have played, end up playing professional ball because that's that's that that's his heart. I mean, he's in Minneapolis coaching soccer now <laughs> with young <laughs> kids and teaching English and stuff because yeah, right. Uh, but <clears throat> but then in the next decade, in the eighties, the early eighties, you you star in Starlight Express. Yeah, and, that and, was this, great. and was this and this like, and this is all going well. And then you have this horrendous car. The, this That's right. kind of crushes your legs and That's suddenly right. you're on the well, Let's pavement. not bring that up because I'm really hoping that <laughs> I'm really hoping that it, it Won't Be Christmas Without You is a hit without followed by tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that I've paid my dues, whatever it is, that whatever, it, you know, why these things happen, you know. But then you always get, get sort of, you know, like somebody like you, you had, was it the um, KLF? You know, you recorded What Time Is Love, didn't you, in 3 a.m. Eternal? No, I recorded, I am the Moo Moo Choir. You are the Moo Moo Choir. I Which am is, the Moo Moo Choir. And then, and then, then you had I, Ocean Colors. I, I took Katie Kassoon in that studio and we tracked that choir thing out, that, their whole sound is me. But I didn't do What Time Is Love. I did 3 a.m. Eternal. K-L-F. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you know how big that record was. It was huge, wasn't it? it, Yeah, it was very huge all around the world. Everywhere I go, people ask me about uh, my experience with K-L-F. And I have to say, I wish they would pay me my money. Oh, dear. Bill Drummond. That's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible because we had a deal that 
I the the Moomoo Choir was one thing, but if he used my vocal on anything, you know, and I don't care what anybody says, that is the hook of that record. Yes, you know, it's, it's, that no is debate. the hook. It me oh, me oh, my is not the hook, and <laughs> so like that. <laughs> You know, E I E I O. No, we don't. We 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 will never remember that as a hook, will we? <laughs> you know what I mean. So, like, you know, they were. I asked them for five percent if they used, and so that was all I asked them for. You know, and then they went and they supposedly burned the money, and I don't know. You know. It's, yes. So, how you did know. you then get involved with dear old Doctor Doctor Robert, one-time member, or probably still? Oh is yeah, member. Robert. I met Robert in uh, in Spain. Right. Because Robert lives in Spain, and I met him at a party uh, in the valley. I live on the coast, but I have, you know, which is not far from the valley, and we had mutual friends. And and I went to this party, and they were, like, gigging, and I jammed with them. And we just thought, oh, well, here we are in Spain, you know, maybe we should do something together. Yes. And we we did, you know, and we did that album. Five in the afternoon, uh, which, which was like, yeah, it's a good album. It's a good album. I'm, 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 I'm releasing a, a box set of a lot of stuff that hasn't that people that that either wasn't very successful or people never heard of or never released. Work that I did with Chaz Jankel of the of of, of the Blow Monkeys. No, not, right. not the. I mean. The blow, Ian Jury, the blackheads. Blockheads, yes. We've got blockheads, yes. (laughs) Confused. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and stuff that I've, you know, independent productions that I have done that have never been released. People think, oh, well, she just like, you you know, I was determined to not to just be uh, remembered as a backing vocalist. I've been always pumping you know like trying doing productions and doing things trying to keep my solo thing together you know it's like I'm still fighting a good fight like I said yes I mean you you do have two of the most iconic singles ever don't you the first cut is the deepest and angel in the morning can you remember angel of the morning angel of the morning I mean, classics. It is a classic. I mean, those those two are just, if anybody has just one, but you've got two. I mean, can you remember much about those sessions? Yeah, I I remember being a very young, very shy young lady that was in the UK and I was recording. I had never even thought about being recording as a solo artist. and, And I was signed to Immediate Records. Andrew Oldham was my manager. And uh, yeah, and I was just fortunate to to be in the right place at the right time when Cat Stevens wrote that song and yes. and and gave it to me. I loved the song straight away. I identified with I identified with the song because of like all the abusive my abusive marriage and young love and all of that. You know that first cut. And then Angel of the Morning from the Kafunta album. Uh, First Cut was produced by Mike Hurst. And, you know, and Angel of the Morning uh, 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 was arranged by John Paul Jones for me. And Andrew Oldham produced it. And it was just like these these great songs that uh, 
no matter, even though I never knew what was going on, I loved to sing. Yes. I didn't even know if I was good or not. I didn't know what I was doing. I just loved to sing. And, and I have, my voice is quite melodic. So I was really known in the 60s more for singing these beautiful melodic ballads. You know, really, I mean, the Kafunta album was like full of just like beautiful, beautiful covers, you know, to love somebody. Yesterday, Eleanor Rigby, um, you know, just, you, you know, I was like, but I also sing, you know, like up-tempo pop, like everything's going to be all right if you think you're groovy. And, and my own songs that Mick Jagger produced. You know, am I still dreaming? Treat me like a lady. And um, the, the the other great song that I did with him uh, is "Though It Hurts Me Badly," right? Which is the, that that song, which Steve Craddock produced on the last uh, New Adventures album. That's all about my experience of like uh, my first experience of interracial relationships. You know being a black woman, you know, having a relationship with a white guy and and it's all sort of like taboo. Yes. It would, so it would have been very, very taboo, taboo at the time on my <laughs> side and on their side. I mean, I didn't really broadcast it in my community. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, no. You know, so, uh, yeah, so that song is about that. You know, it kind of reminds me of that uh you know, the thing where where the guy is tipping around, his family doesn't really want him to be with the black woman. He can't, like, really, like, you know, he can hang out with her, but, you know, he'll never walk her down the aisle kind of a thing. Right. Yes, this is, this is, this is tricky. So, I mean, with the book coming out and having so much in it, what, what's, the, what's been the response, not just the, from the critics, but have people who appear in the book or people that you once knew suddenly got back in touch to say, wow, I, I've, I've just kind of reconnected with you again? Or, um, yes, it was, it's been... Well, Barry Gibb is wonderful as ever. He sent me some beautiful quotes, you know, and... And, you, you, you know, and said to people that, uh, you know, how our relationship was a musical one and and like we were both at a crossroads at that time. And and he, he gave me respect. He gave me respect. You know, he 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 he, he let people know that my uh, creativity inspired him as well as his creativity inspiring me. Yes. The others, I haven't heard from Mick. I haven't heard, but nobody, they know everything in there. You know, it, it is what it is. It's the truth. But I, I, haven't re I haven't heard from Mick, but I haven't heard from Mick since 1984 anyway. So, right. <laughs> you know, and, and Rod Stewart, I don't really don't expect to hear from him, you know, <laughs> because really our, our, you know, to me, the way they used Rod it, to, to make it seem like he's like such a big uh, influence in my career is not true. We did one session together and that and 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 and, and that tune Come Home Baby wasn't even released until he had success. And the song was put on his album 
without me even being given my props as as it being a duet. You know, it was like as if I was a backing singer singing with him. And that's not the way it happened. Mick Jagger produced that record. And the whole concept of Rod and I working together was to be like an Otis Redding, Carla Thomas duet. That's what we could have done together as artists if it hadn't have been for his attitude, really. So I, I never expect to hear from, from, from Rod. <laughs> Even no. though, you know, like, he, he, whatever happened there, you know, like, you know, he recorded First Cut is the Deepest 10 years later when everybody was getting paid. So he got paid and and he gets the, you know, people, him and and the other girl who, who Cheryl Crow, they get, you know, like, they're the ones. But I think, and I think everybody knows that my version is the definitive one. Yes, it's the northern it's the northern soul classic as well, isn't it? So um Well, it's a northern soul classic. It's a classic all around the world. It's a classic battle. Oh yes, it is, that, it is that song. The original like, is is amazing. But you've you've always picked up a lot of people, especially in the last decade, you know, who like Ocean Colour Scene, Paul Weller, you Tim Rogers from Australia, you know, people Oh, they're all great. They're all they're all my mates, they're all my my, my fans and and you know, just great, great uh, uh, peers. Well, well, they're younger peers. They all respect all the work that I did with yes. Harriet and I, the whole sixty things. And I'm like, they're like my babies. You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would. Steve Craddock, I, yeah. I always think that Steve Craddock is like uh, uh, that. Steve Marriott definitely has brought us together you know it's, it's it, we're together as a result of of our love for Steve Marriott and yes. and I somehow I even feel that Steve spiritually has ordained my relationship with uh with uh with Steve Steve Craddock he's my baby and he loves me and you know I'm so glad we got a chance to do this record together because he, he you know, Ocean Color Scene, they, they're my babies. And I got a chance to work with them on their Mar- Marching Already album. And then uh, we did the song. We had a hit together uh, with It's a Beautiful Thing, that track that we did. Yes. Together. And then Steve and I started, like, really uh, working on songs to produce. You know, the song The Shoot the Dove, the Paul Weller tune. We actually started working on that stuff back in the 90s but it was only just you know 2019 (laughs) but it all finally you know manifested the time nothing before it's time I guess yes absolutely and is it going to be who's going to be putting together this box set is it cherry red records by any chance or is it another no 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 it's demon demon oh They've just yeah. been putting out um, that petrol emotion this week. Um, yeah, so Demon have got yeah. all your peers. So is this kind of penciled in or planned for? Oh no, it's definitely happening. It's going to be like a five album, five five album vinyl album box happening. Set. Fantastic. Yeah, box set that's going to be released around around June, July. Something. Right. So it's going to be your your sort of. Uh, Next year is going to be equally as busy, isn't it, actually, on this front? Well, hopefully it's going to be busy. I mean, the track that I've done with uh, 
I, I'm, I'm fingers crossed. I'm, I'm going to start being in the studio quite soon. Start uh, working on an album with uh, with uh, uh, Mark and Patrick at Metrifani. Right. Uh, we're going to do an album because I've got the 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 paperback of the book is being released in the spring. So we're going to do an album and hopefully. Even if the album, I mean, we got to get our skates on as far as getting this this, this record made. But yes. even if the album is not finished, I'm sure we'll have some singles and things from the album ready to go to promote around the same time that the paperback is out. You know, there's there's a plan of sorts like coming together. Yes, but, you know, this is the music business, so. You know, I just I'm, 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 right now my focus is on making sure, hopefully, that it won't be Christmas, baby. Ooh, Christmas. Yes, and and just on that front with this single that is coming out, um, this is um, I've just got the the kind of press release. Is this going to be on a compilation or is it just released as a single? It's released on a, it's, it's it's it might be on a compilation. It's, no, it's released as a single. It's released as a single, right? Yeah, it's, it's released as a single. Unfortunately, it's not a physical product. It's going to be a download. A lot of my fans have been asking. You know, a lot of a lot of people aren't aren't into streaming and downloading, and they want physical product from me. But I don't think that's going to happen because it's like a what is you have a four week uh time to yeah. for christmas you know and so and you know with the economy being what it is and everything you know what i mean it's like really expensive and even like after covid you know just pressing records vinyl and everything is all backed up yes you know? So, uh, so unfortunately it's not going to be a physical product no but, but it's but it's nearly it's it's nearly the the next oh, best thing actually. You know what I think. Uh, oh, blimey! Uh, that that call I had. What time is it? It is half past one. Yeah, because that was a call. That was a that was a other interview. My oh. interview was supposed to be at one o'clock. Oh, okay. Look, Patricia. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'll say, look, thank you ever so much for the book and the story. You better get oh, your... thank you. It's been, it, it was amazing. And your the stuff about your family and your previous generations was absolutely extraordinary. So, um, yeah, I'll recommend it to anybody and everyone because um, it's an eye opener. Yeah. Can I do this? I have to, like... Uh... Do you want to say goodbye? Yeah. Okay, look, okay. Patricia, have a happy Christmas. All right. Happy Christmas, everybody. All right, and, take uh, care. really lovely to speak with you. Yeah, okay, take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, lots of love. Bye-bye. And that was me in conversation with P.P. Arnold talking about her life in music. The book, Soul Survivor, is out and available from all good bookshops and also online. And her single, It Won't Be Christmas Without You, is out at the end of November and is also available, I do believe, online as well. Downloads. Anyway, this is the C86 Show, David Easter. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. And all these have been archived on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe. <laughs>